Well, hey, we're in a season, uh, we're in a season of celebrating what I call a king, uh, a king who has come and a king who will return. And so I want to preach a short message again today on our series leading up to Christmas. We called it In Search of a King, right? And today I want to talk about our, our response to this coming king. And by looking at some of the characters around the Christmas story and, and looking at how they responded. And then as we pause this Christmas season to say, are we anywhere near responding to the way that some of these characters did, right? Because this is New Testament stuff. And if you look at some of their lives, you kind of go, wow, that was them, but why isn't it me? And that, that's maybe the question I'm asking today. What is our response? And is it the same or should it be? And Holy Spirit helped me get there, right? So when I was a teenager, I really knew that I needed rescuing. I knew that I needed a lot of help. I was a little stubborn. I didn't want to get it till I was about age 19, and I then surrendered my life to the Lord, right? Mainly because I wanted him to rescue me from the mess of my life. Anybody relate to that? I wanted him to fix broken relationships. I wanted him to help me get rid of some addictions. I wanted him to basically bless my life, and I wanted to stay out of hell, right? <laughs> I didn't want to go to hell when I died, Right? But it wasn't until I started to really journey with the Lord and, and really choose to follow him again and again, where this idea that he isn't just something I added to my life, he is now wanting to usurp authority in my life, right? He is wanting to be king and Lord, right? And so it, it, almost, it almost made me, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in getting re-saved necessarily, but I rededicated like my life again and again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I said, okay, now that you have taken the wheel, I would like to keep you there. You do a much better job than I have. Amen, somebody? And so, and so that's, that's a response to King Jesus as opposed to just a religious token that says, Jesus blesses my life. And I know he does. That is actually true. He's a very benevolent king. But is he leading and is he Lord is the question that we're asking. And what is my response? Um, if the celebration of Jesus' birth and the Christmas season is not transforming our hearts along these lines, I'm questioning, I might not be celebrating quite right. I'm questioning what I'm celebrating or how I'm celebrating. Is that okay? So his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, including the power of his Holy Spirit, literally changed the known world. So much so that we still have uh, our calendars based on his birth, right? It changed the known world all around. Uh, and are, are you someone that's been transformed by the Jesus story? Um, and where are you on this journey? That's my question for today. Real transformation, heart change, I believe, starts with recognizing Jesus as king and then evaluating my response to that truth. And that's what I'm calling us into this holiday season. This was prophesied over 700 years before Jesus was born. According to the prophet Isaiah, this is what God revealed to him. Isaiah 9, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, somebody say government, and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, somebody say forevermore. 
Because there's a coming kingdom that was prophesied 700 years before the birth of Jesus that many people were looking forward to, according to those prophecies that were well known at the time and passed through generation to generation in the old scrolls and writings. They were like, there will be a king arriving on the scene any day now. Man, they waited a long time. Now, none of us would want to wait 700 years, much less one year. But um, that's how long they waited for this to start unfolding. And then here comes an angel to visit the Virgin Mary in, in Luke 1. And this is what he says. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, right? The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. In other words, a king is coming. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom here we go. There will be no end. Well, this same Jesus is revealed in the book of Revelation by one of his disciples, John, many, many, many chapters later. But here he is in Revelation 19. And John sees him riding on his horse, riding on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so it was prophesied, it started to unfold, and he became the very one that all the prophets were pointing to. So the American mindset, in my opinion, uh, even in this holiday season, isn't necessarily a kingdom mindset. Come on, somebody. One or two of you agree? doesn't mean that we live in a kingdom mindset just because we're born American. We can and should honor leadership in our nation, but the reason I'm saying that is because we're not made to bow before the king. Matter of fact, we're not even necessarily, you know, arrested if we <laughs> disrespect, maybe quietly, maybe publicly if you disrespect, but quietly we can kind of say what we want, right? Um, and we're not necessarily made to kneel before the king like they were in those days. And so sometimes this kind of mindset escapes us a bit. Um, we know that as the gospels unfold, Jesus did not arrive as a politically driven king. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. It's not what they needed. Some of them thought that's what they needed. Like he, they needed a new King Herod, like a Saul or even a David. Um, but no, he was not, as some thought, coming to overthrow the government or to usurp their authority. But instead, he sought to land on the throne of our hearts. We, lo we noticed that in 1 Peter when he wrote, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as king. And so there's a mindset and a different mindset that God knew in his wisdom that changed hearts is what will actually change the world. Not another war, a new government structure necessarily, um, although we're thankful for our government structure. So the throne of our hearts is what was pursued and still is, right? Still is today. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, grips our souls and our minds, declaring his lordship then in this area right here. And then he offers us empowering grace, which transforms our lives, and then the many spheres of influence. And so he started to change the world, but not the way that they thought. So now we have a benevolent king. A benevolent king is somebody who has come to give you something as opposed to come and just take something, amen? We get to give to him, but he doesn't come and demand everything from you because he knows that love demanded isn't really love, right? It's sought, but it isn't coerced and demanded. That isn't true love. That would be abuse. Come on, somebody. So he arrived on the scene, a.k.a. God in the flesh, right? This was God's idea. Came on the scene. He's 100% worthy of honor, worship, adoration, and reverence. But it's one who gives and serves and provides, and he saves, and he heals, and he delivers. He's altogether lovely. He's free of all toxic, narcissistic behaviors. Amen. 
This is the kind of king then we can bow before and lay our life down before and say, I submit to you as a ruler, as we're compelled to do that. So I want to imagine with you today, you'd imagine with me that we are maybe in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. It's a little tough to imagine. Um, But the night that Jesus Christ was brought into this world, then look at some of the responses from some of the characters around this story, which I'm... As I read this again and again, I find them interesting. Um, let's look at a few responses, but then in, in, in light of that, what is our response? So let it challenge you just a bit. Um, we can be a little ho-hum, and we could get into a, a mindset, especially something we do every year like this, that just becomes ho-hum normal, right? Normal Christianity, we go to church on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, right? Or we celebrate this or celebrate that and it become ritual. It could become ritual instead of relationship. Let's look at shepherds and the angels. Starting at Luke 2, I'm going to read you some passages. It's too much to read and then I'll move on. But I want to point out a few things. And in the, in the same region, there were shepherds. Somebody say shepherds. They were out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Poor guys. They were working the second shift or third shift possibly. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I would be too. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's king. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel now a multitude of heavenly hosts. Somebody say thousands of angels. (laughs) That's what that means. Suddenly there's thousands of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And now I'll pause right there. Now they're responding to the coming king and saying, This guy will change the world, even though right now he's a baby. And what are they actually doing? The word praising is the word a nail, right? And it does mean to praise and extol, but it actually means to sing in sing praises in honor of God. So they were singing, right? They weren't just saying, hey, something cool's happening. Let me let you know about it. Go about your sheep business. They were actually starting to sing and filled the heavenlies with thousands of heavenly voices singing in honor to the king. All right, you got the image in your head? So the angels disappear suddenly after that, that uh, crazy, crazy worship service. The angels are gone, and the shepherds decided then to search for the newborn child in Bethlehem. They must not have been too far away. It doesn't say. Maybe they traveled an hour. Who knows? But they found him in the stable. And then Luke 2, it says, And the shepherds returned then after visiting the Christ child and saying, ooing and aweing over this baby that's now going to become king, right, or is born king. Then they returned to their sheep, and it says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And here's that same word again, aneo. They were actually singing 
Do you know there's many Greek and Hebrew words for worship and praise and the word rejoice? They're literally like eight or ten long, and they all mean sort of different things, different expressions or different responses. That's why this one in particular means singing. Something compelled them to sing. I don't know how often shepherds sing. It doesn't say, but they were singing on their way back to their sheep. Or maybe they brought their sheep with you. I don't know. Every nativity scene has sheep. They must have brought their herds right into Bethlehem. I have no idea. Y'all can only imagine and fill in the gaps, but here they are. The, the angels are just glorifying God by the thousands and singing. I would have loved to hear that. And then the shepherds did the same upon meeting the Christ child, and they were singing on their way back to the fields. I want to pause right there and say something about the shepherds. If you didn't know this, the smug religious leaders of the day, by the way, they maintained, a strict, they maintained what I would call a very strict case system, caste system, maybe you say it that way, like in India where they have different levels of society. America would never do this. Only if you're in high school, there's different <laughs> caste systems. My kids tell me anyway. Different castes of society, right? You're popular and you're not. Well, they weren't popular, right? They were actually the lowest of the low. They were looked down upon. And even in that culture, get this, they were called sinners, because they could never meet the mark. Sinners means missing the mark. They were actually called sinners by their culture just because they were shepherds by some, because they could never meet the mark of society. They could never attain to. Does that make sense? So they were always called the lowly of low. And so here on that scene comes the angels to the lowly shepherds and say, this is for you. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, I've, I feel the same way. I could never add up. I could never do all that I feel I should be doing. I feel like a lowly part of society. Well, here comes the kingdom and it's for you. Amen, somebody? This is where you belong. And they found a home there with the good news of the gospel. So the angels and shepherds started glorifying God. Now I'm going to pause right here and say, where is your heart at this Christmas season? Is it conjuring up those kind of responses in your heart? Today, tonight, tomorrow. Um, where is your heart response or your physical response? Number two, let's look at the wise men and King Herod. So the shepherds and the angels, it's hard to tell the one story without the other because it kind of goes together, right? So with the wise men and the, and King Herod, their story is so intertwined, um, although they're opposite characters, but it's very much the same passages of Scripture that tell both sides of the story. Let's look at their responses in Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the day of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Wow. For he saw his star, for we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now I'm going to paraphrase the next few verses. King Herod, the current evil occupying king, um, in his insecurity and his deeply disturbed persona, <laughs> to say the least, tried to convince the wise men to let him know where he too could go worship the so-called king of the Jews. Um, Herod would have been disturbed because who the wise men, some, were called, some call them magi in some translations, right? They, they weren't really magicians, they, but they were known, um, I think it was called astrologers. I get the word astrology and astronomy really mixed up. Do you? It's like, is there a difference? Yeah, study of the stars, but believing the stars are speaking to you is a little different, right? Now, the Magi were astrologers, I believe it was, but what many folks don't know is that the Magi, wise men, often played a role in politics. 
So their arrival in Jerusalem would have been seen as a politically significant event. They most likely had an entourage, like they probably traveled in about 10 black vehicles, right? <laughs> black camels, maybe, no. But it always shows them on camels. We don't know that either, necessarily. But that's probably how they travel. But they would have shown up, and it was a big to-do, because they had a lot of clout and a lot of authority in those days, right? They had a lot of significance in the culture. So the message the, the Magi are sending is absolutely almost crazy and unmistakable that there's now two kings in Judea. Um, and so no wonder King Herod was a little distraught. Um, and anyway, the birth of Jesus is very challenging to King Herod. So imagine, if, if you would, for a moment that in the good old U.S. of A., there's an entourage coming from a foreign country. I don't know, just pick South Africa, for example, and they show up in about 10 black vehicles and they jump out right at the White House. And if they were able to get past the fences, they would go right to President Biden or his cabinet and say, we want to know where the true leader is of our country, of this country. I don't know how far they'd get. They'd be in jail within seconds, right? Uh, and so that's what essentially they were doing. And no wonder they were despised by King Herod. That, that's what they were doing. Let me read on in Matthew 2, starting at 9. And listening to the king, they went on their way, the wise men. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. By the way, when the, by the time they actually found the child, some say it was probably about two years later. How about that response? I'm going to go on a journey until I find this next king, right? When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, see, now they went into the house. They didn't show up at the stable. I'm sorry to mess up all your nativity scenes. Y'all probably heard this before, but they showed up much later on the scene until they actually found him. So they went, into the, they went into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and get this, they fell down and worshiped him. Now we have a whole nother response to finding the Christ child, to finding the king. And that word is proskuneo, if I'm pronouncing it right, they fell down and worshipped is the word proskuneo. It means to kiss the hands toward someone like a king. One in token of reverence. And among the Orientals, especially the, the Persians, it was to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. That's what that word actually means. They fell down before the Christ child. He was now about two years old saying, we found the king of the Jews and they touched their heads to the ground. That's how reverent they were. That's the word that's used in scripture for their wild, almost over the top response. And then if that isn't enough, the word says they opened up treasures and gave him gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh like you would give to a dignitary or a king of a country upon entering that country, you would give peace offerings, right? You would say, hey, now that we got to see the king, we're going to give you some treasures from our country. And that's exactly what they were doing. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thank God. Again, where is your heart this Christmas season? Are we anywhere near the response that we see in Scripture? Are you feeling the lowliest of low... Or maybe you're the highest in society. That's good. I'm glad you're here too. The, right? The gospel is for, is for all. Somebody say all. From the wise men who were up here to the shepherds down here, they all said, we need a king. And we're not it. God, you are God and I'm not. Right? And let's bow before and worship the king. Now, 
there's another character named Herod. And um, I don't want to leave you depressed on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve Day, but this guy was something else. Then Herod in Matthew 2, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, see, they didn't tell him where the Christ child was, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or, or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And then it sounds like in the time of Moses. So he felt really threatened and he wreaked havoc. I trust that no one in the sound of my voice um, whether online or in, in the service today, has that kind of response um, you know, to, to King Jesus. But this is what it's like. He, instead of responding you know, like the other characters in the Christmas story, he's like, I don't understand. Therefore, I'm going to react. Instead of inquiring, pondering, and seeking, I'm going to destroy. He said, I'm king and no one else. I lead and I guide and I am ruler and I will reign. And I know that it's hard for us to relate to King Herod, but there's not many people, there's, there's, there's many, many people that you know and I know who still have that attitude. I'm king of my life and I will rule and I will reign. Don't tell me that I need someone else telling me what to do. I don't need a boss. Come on, that's popular in the American culture, isn't it? We fought for our freedom and I'm free to do my thing. Yes, we are. Thank God for freedom, right? But true freedom is found when we know who we're kneeling before. In Jesus' name. King Herod says, I will never surrender. No one will tell me what to do. And unlike other characters, now he's filled with hatred, insecurity, confusion, pride, this thing called selfish ambition, which we find in Scripture. And therefore, he wreaked havoc and destruction in the nation. And then the Jewish historian, his name is Josephus, some of you heard of his writings, he states that a loathsome disease descended upon King Herod as a judgment from God. It's not found in Scripture. The Scripture says he just died. But, uh, but the historian says that he, he died a very gruesome, gruesome death uh, in the most dramatic fashion is what he, what he writes. And listen, he refused to bend the knee to the real king, to worship the, the, the true King Jesus and clung to the devil as his father, worshiping instead the many false idols in that culture. And I'm going to pause right here and says, will you willingly, and I'm, I'm asking again, will you willingly bend the knee like the characters we just talked about or will you bend the knee at some time? In your life or at the end of your life, like King Herod. Because as the word says, everyone will bend the knee at some point. I choose to do it willingly. How about you? 1 John 3, 8 says this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy. Somebody say destroy the works of the devil. And so he appeared. And then he said in Philippians 2, 9, 11, it was written about, about him just like this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee, somebody say every knee, should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I'm pausing there again to say this. Everybody will confess out of their mouth, every person. Literally every person that ever lived and will live will bend the knee and will confess Jesus as Lord. It's just a matter of which side of eternity you are on. Whether you've done that now, 
while you have the choice to do it or whether you'll do that later and you won't be in eternity with Christ because now is the time of decision. Amen, somebody? And so I choose, like the characters in the Christmas story, to say, make my heart posture what it needs to be now, not on my deathbed. Uh, and I asked last week of, of the congregation when I was starting this series, I said, are you part of the Bent Knee Society? Because that is really what God is calling for. And what I've been feeling this Christmas season is to, is to call for God's people again to be part of a specific culture that says, I am not afraid to bend the knee to him who is worthy to be called king in my life Amen. rather than any other thing. Would you stand with me this morning? Those of you joining us online, I'm thankful that you're there. I want to say that at the beginning of the message, but thank you for joining us. I forgot we're live streaming this message as well. I'm wondering if some of you are here this morning. We're going to go back into worship, but first, before we do, uh, I'm asking you, if you're here this morning and have not done that, done what? Bend the knee to the king. You acknowledge that you might need Jesus but have you acknowledged that Jesus Christ is King and declared Lord of your life? And if not, we want to take a moment and allow you to begin that journey with him to say, wait a minute, I need the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. Every eye closed for just a moment. And what we do this just to give everybody some personal space so you're not thinking about your neighbor next to you, your family next to you. Have you personally declared Jesus Christ as Lord and King? If not, would you shoot your hand up in the air? We will simply pray a prayer and move on. I recognize you. I see you. Thank you. Anyone else? We're going to pray and get back into worship. Hallelujah. Anybody online, just type it in there. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Let's all, let's all pray together. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I acknowledge you as Lord of my life. I recognize Jesus as King, and I repent of all my sins. I receive your love and your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, empower me to live humbly in surrender to your leadership. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Let's applaud those who said yes to King Jesus. <laughs>